and I said about the abduction and they said it's okay we've got your wife and child they're completely safe okay this is what they said we at social services would not allow that to happen quote unquote so I'm like, okay, I feel quite safe. I believe, like, the integrity of these establishments. They should look after children. So, okay, I feel feel okay. There was this international ringtone. They said, oh, it could be because she's across the water from France. Sometimes the signal gets caught up with France. Sure. I was like, okay, that could be something. Then I had a fraud alert on my bank card. I'm with you. Yeah, strange, strange transactions. I phoned up the bank. I said, where's it coming from? And they said, Amazon Spain. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, could you give me an address or anything? And they said, no, we can't do that because of date protection, but we can tell you it's in Barcelona. Her brother lives in Barcelona. Welcome to Why Daddy Never Cries podcast with your host, Chuck Kelleher. At Why Daddy Never Cries, we'll explore the lives surrounding daddies, their children, divorce, and silent domestic violence. We'll hear real-life horror stories from unsung heroes fighting for the ability to stay in their children's lives. We'll get those voices heard and hopefully find solutions before you lunatics burn the whole place to the ground. Hang in there, daddies. Chuck's here. Chuck Kelleher and Why Daddy Never Cries are providing his podcast as a public service. I've known Chuck for 45 years, and he's neither a lawyer nor mental health professional. He's not a doctor, nor a rogue scholar by any stretch of the imagination. Chuck is simply a guy who's lived in hell for 20 years. Once he found a way out, he drew a map to help others navigate their own way home. The views and opinions expressed by Why Daddy Never Cries, employees, or our guests are their own. Guest appearance on the program do not imply an endorsement of them, their opinions, or any entity they represent. And please, for the love of God, if you have any questions or fears about your unique circumstances, please contact a lawyer, a religious leader of your choice, or a medical professional in your area. Don't fuck this up, brothers, because we're all in this together. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Voss G2, for helping small and medium-sized businesses elevate their brand perception with design. Take your brand to the next level at VossG2.com. We'd also like to thank Harry Duran and his team at Fullcast for their amazing assistance. If you're planning a podcast and you haven't contacted Fullcast, you might as well call your show Podfade. All right, how's everyone doing? Today we're talking with Adam, who's not just trying to see his kids every other weekend. He's trying to get his child back into the country after she's been kidnapped. That's right, folks. Kidnapped. So we're putting out a child alert. Spain. All right. If you're in Spain, Barcelona, listen up and put eyes on the ground for us. Because what would you do if your child was stolen? Don't even answer that. I'll tell you. You'd lose your mind every second until your baby was back in your arms. Any loving caregiver or parent that states differently is lying. However, what would you do if that kidnapper wasn't a stranger, but was actually your spouse? Wait for it. Wait for it. And the government agency that you brought in to help protect yourself and your child was the very instrument that let them escape. Adam not only requested the UK police and social services intervene, he was reassured numerous times that his wife and child were still in England. That was until his credit card alerted him of activity in Spain. Well, at least someone was paying attention. In a world where headlines scream for attention, we choose to listen to the whispers that hold the true revelations. All right, let's do this. Adam, welcome to the Why Daddy Never Cries podcast. How are we doing, brother? Um, yeah, I'm doing okay, thank you. Where are we calling home these days? I live in Hythe, near Folkestone in Kent. Okay. In the UK. And uh, have you always lived there, or? I used to live four years in um, Spain. Oh, cool. Where about? Uh, two years in Igualada, Barcelona, mm-hmm. and two years in Antequera, Malaga. 
Oh man, before I met my ex, I was on my way to Barcelona and or Madrid. I was going to decide when I got there. And well, I met her, fell in love and never got there. Yeah. Maybe it's something you can do. Like, you Oh, know absolutely. I'm going to hope, I'm going to definitely see the world. Yeah. What, uh, what brought you to Spain? Well, it's a, it's a long story. So me and my wife got married in, my wife that was, mm-hmm. got married in, uh, in Spain, in Barcelona legally. And then the next day we did the religious bit in the UK. Okay. So we had two weddings in two days. Nice. Which was really hard going. And so I got married quickly, went out of the registry office then to the flight. Yeah, then we had our, our honeymoon in Mallorca. We went back to the UK because we're trying to settle in the UK. Mm-hmm. And then she got detained by the authorities. She got sent to the nearest port or the last port she came to, which was Mallorca. So then we had to arrange for her to get a flight from Mallorca back to Barcelona where she lives. And we were separated for a time because she wasn't allowed into the UK. May we ask? Yeah, so um, she had some CVs in English. Okay. So we were on the government website said you could stay in the UK for six months, but she had some CVs in English in her suitcase, which apparently her mum... CVs or resumes? Yeah, C- resumes, CVs, yeah. No, it's all good. International crowd. Yeah. Yeah, she had like a, a prisoner number and everything and then got sent back. They assumed that she was trying to stay? Yeah, which she was trying to stay for like the six months she was allowed. Yeah. On the website, it just says you can stay six months, but they knew she'd already stayed there during the year period. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they, they sent her back to Spain. Oh man. A guy I work with's uh, niece and her and her three girlfriends, they're all from Ireland, and they decided to go to Florida for the weekend. And for some reason, she couldn't go. And all three girls got on the plane, they pulled them off the plane and sent them right back to Ireland. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. I can't imagine. My daughter's backpacking all through Europe as we speak. So I'm like, you know, you can only stay so long in each country. Yeah. So um, I ended up having to move then to Barcelona. Okay. Worst places to be. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> How long were you guys married? Five years. Okay. That's about what we were. Actually, I don't think we were that long. I think I lasted three or four years on my first. Yeah. Three or four years and then two to three years to get divorced. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard going. <laughs> yeah, it sucks. So now did you guys end up coming back to the UK or did you stay in Barcelona the whole time? No, we spent two years in Barcelona. Scarlett was born in Barcelona, my daughter. She was born stateless because um, Vanessa was um, Argentinian and didn't have a Spanish passport. Oh, wow. Okay. She was a resident in Spain. I was a resident in Spain and had a British passport. So there was no agreements between the countries. So she had to choose either a British passport or an Argentinian passport, I believe. Okay. Like the British passport, you could do more things with. So she was born British, even though she was born in Igualada, Barcelona. Oh, interesting. I never heard that you had to choose. I always just assumed wherever you were is what you were. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought, but it wasn't the case. What brought the missus from Argentina up into the UK or Spain? Where'd you guys meet? We actually met on um, eHarmony. Mm-hmm. I'd always felt like I had a call into Spain. So a Christian in Spain, we connected. Mm-hmm. To cut a long story short, as we were connecting, she um, told me that she had a concert in England, the UK, because she's a singer. Okay. Oh, nice. And um, some famous singer in South America. I can't remember his name. She got dropped at the last minute. So she had all her flight booked and everything. And I was like, oh, you know, that sucked. Mm-hmm. I'll look after you and, and try and help. Stuff like that. And then she was going from there to a French camp uh, for Christians. Okay. So she invited me to this French camp. I went with her and then we um, we started like a relationship in that camp. Oh, very cool. Well, or so we thought. <laughs> yeah. After a year after that, we got married. Okay. That's good. That's a good period. The thing happened at the airport and then I ended up moving to Spain. And then your daughter was born there. And did she ever come back to the UK? Yeah, we came back to the UK. So... um. Two years in Barcelona, then two years in Malaga. Okay. I was working 
as uh, an English teacher in an academy. Over in Spain, during COVID, the rules were like, if you lost hours because of something that's not your fault, the government gave you a six-year interest-free loan so you could pay your rent, so you could cover your gas bill, your electric bill, etc. Oh, wow. However, and I'm only going by what Vanessa's told me because she dealt with everything in Spanish. Mm-hmm. She said that you could only get help from the government if the landlord had declared the flat as a taxable asset, which he didn't, apparently. Okay. So we could get no help from the government. So I was teaching five hours a week, and then I had to try and feed a baby and a wife. Oh, brother. Yeah, she just never worked the whole time anyway. Mm-hmm. It's all down to me. I got the news that my dad was terminally ill, oh. and that he had stomach cancer. Okay. And cancer in the liver, and then it spread throughout his body. I got told that my dad was terminally ill and, you know, don't worry, you know, come back when you can. And then I got a call from my mum saying, your dad's taken a turn from the worst. You need to leave immediately oh, brother. to come back to the UK to see your dad. And we knew that things were difficult with travel during COVID. Sure. So we had this thing where we couldn't pay for the flat. We couldn't afford it. Mum was saying, look, your dad's really bad. You need to get back. We moved within less than 24 hours of hearing the news. Mm-hmm. We left our belongings in, in some people's flats and people kept it in storage for us. And then we got in a flight and flew to England and the borders closed the very next day. So I only just got to say goodbye to my dad. This was in July. The 17th of July, I went back to England 2020. My dad passed away on the 20th of July. My sister passed on the 20th of July. Yeah, I'm crikey, yeah. My dad was on end of life during COVID too, and I wasn't allowed to leave the tri-state area as an essential worker. So my sister went down there and put the phone to his ear and, you know, crying at work because, you know, you were stuck at work or stuck at home, depending on, you know, if you got lucky enough to go into work. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. He pulled through, though. It was crazy. The guy, he was on morphine and they're like, yeah, he's going to not last the week. And he's still with us today. The guy is a tank. <laughs> That's like a miracle. <laughs> the guy's a tank. Yeah. He's a frail man too, but he wasn't ready. I don't know, man. Yeah. But it was hard, man. I, I'm glad you got back because I probably would have had a different story here talking to you about this today, you know, had I not gotten down this to at least see my dad. All right, so you're back in the UK. Uh, were you allowed to work? Well, obviously, you could work in the UK, but with COVID going on. I kept a job open because I used to fly back once every three months to do a shift in England Okay. in health and social care. So I only had to do it once every three months to stay on the books. Oh, cool. So I had a job to walk into when I got back to the UK. So even with my dad passing away, it was essential to be in the UK because I had no job in Spain. Sure. We settled in Spain and my mum and dad told me during this six weeks before he passed, my mum and dad said they were going to get equity from the house. Okay. So me and Vanessa would not be stuck in my mum's house. Fair enough. When we go and say goodbye, we'd go back to Spain or stay in England. As we're flying to England... To say goodbye to my dad, my strained wife was kept on like, so we're not going to stay at your mum's too long, are we? And I'm just thinking my dad's passing away. Yeah, I got enough shit on my plate. Thanks. Yeah. Told her, no, we're not going to stay at my mum's long because my mum's promised me, my dad's promised me. So I, I trust what they just say. I just take what they say. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, after a few months had passed, my mum realised that she could not afford equity release from the house because of the payments. Sure. So Vanessa wanted a house. I'm saying, yeah, it's going to happen because... Well, my mum's promised me. And then you got a situation where she couldn't afford it because she didn't do the maths properly or whatever happened. That caused a lot of tension between my mum and Vanessa. That's a shame. Even though we were living in this house rent-free, <laughs> so we could save for a house, which is the ironic thing. But she speaks perfect English, but just didn't want to work. She worked a total of about two weeks in six years, officially. So, like, there's no work ethic there at all. Mm-hmm. 
And um, I said, okay, so here's how it is, Vanessa. I kind of wish my mum and dad didn't say what they said, but they did. You know, that they're well-meaning, living in a place, not paying rent. So we have an opportunity. We can both work as hard as we can. We get our own house and then it's more satisfaction because we did it together. Mm -hmm. But she didn't want to work. I was the only one working. Mm-hmm. Um, no excuse that Scarlett used to spend 28 hours a week in nursery. Vanessa could have worked. Oh, and she wasn't working. And wasn't working the whole time. And so you're paying for nursery too now, right? I'm sure that's not free there. I was paying a little bit, yeah. Yeah, so you, that's even more money out of your pocket. Sorry. Treated her as, as good as I could. Like um, I used to pay Vanessa money each month so that she would feel safe and mm-hmm. could have uh, access to essentials. Um, I would leave her my bank card. She had free run of everything. Okay. One day I caught her packing her suitcase, but it was a little bit more than packing a suitcase. It was like moving loads of things. Okay. It was like packing loads. Been there. I said, what are you doing? She goes, I've had enough. I've had enough of you. I've had enough of your mom. I've had enough of everything. I'm taking Scarlett to France. I explained, um, you can't do that because that would be child abduction. You can't just take my daughter away from me. Mm-hmm. So she was basically saying she was leaving me. I said, well, you can't really do that. Once COVID's over, I'll pay for you to go for for a holiday. Uh, you can go for as long as you want, but you can't take my daughter away to a different country to live. That's not going to happen. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> yeah. She unpacked her suitcase. Then on the 4th of February, 2021, less than seven months after my dad passed away, um, I come home from work at half seven, done a really long day. I was going for a walk every evening to lose a bit of weight. Mm-hmm. She needed to lose a bit of weight too, and... Um, but I noticed something strange that day. Like I said to her, okay, meet me for a walk because I don't want to sit down. I want to go for a walk straight away so I don't relax. Yep. As we were walking, she was going, you know what, Adam, like, like I'm doing this for you. Like I don't want to do this, but I'm doing this for you because you need to lose weight. Yeah. And was kind of like giving me a bit of a hard time, I thought, which I thought was strange. Came home. So I had my dinner and it was about nine o'clock. And um, I said to Vanessa, I'm going to bed. She was quite short with me that day. So I thought, you know what? I'm just going to go to bed. Like, I'm just going to walk away. So uh, yeah. nine o'clock, decided to go to bed. I was working the next day. And then I go up the stairs and Christian reggae music is blaring like really loud through her laptop. Okay. Scarlett was sleeping in this bunk bed and uh, both doors were open. Scarlett's door was open. And the Christian reggae music door was open. Anyway, it was playing quite loud. And there was lots of windows open like Vanessa was doing work on the laptop. So I didn't want to turn it off in case she hadn't saved something. I then go to call Vanessa. Little did I know that at the time, my mum and Vanessa are having an argument. Oh, man. She's shouting and arguing with someone in Spanish Mm -hmm. on the other laptop. And my mum's turning up the TV. Vanessa's shouting at my mum, can you turn the TV down? My mum's saying to Vanessa, can you keep your voice down? (laughs) And I come down the stairs not knowing any of this stuff. Right in the middle of two sharks fighting. (laughs) Two sharks fighting, exactly. I said, um, Vanessa, like, can I turn the laptop off? There's Christian reggae music playing. I don't want to wake Scarlett up, but I don't need to lose your work. Anyway, because of this argument and a battle between the TV and whatever was happening, um, I have to, like, just raise my voice a bit more so that she can hear me, but down the stairs. Mm -hmm. Anyway, she then screams at me for shouting at her. And I'm like, I'm not shouting at you. There's Christian reggae music playing and I don't want you to lose your work. Anyway, she kept attacking me, saying I was shouting at her. Okay. I was like, well, are you going to turn your stuff off? So she went upstairs, done what she needed to do, turned her laptop off and says, you were shouting at me. You're out of order. So she's already given me a hard time during the day. So I decided to to just go to sleep. As I'm trying to sleep, I, I have my granddad's voice in my ear because he used to make fun of me saying that I let Vanessa walk over me. Okay. 
I'm thinking, yeah, she's actually walking over me. Like, it's true. I go to sleep. I then panic that I've overslept for work. Um, You know, when you have a dream that you're late for work, but you're not. Yes, (laughs) very well. I woke up in a panic thinking I was late for work. I go downstairs and my wife's sitting there at the same table where she had an argument with her brother, I believe, in Spanish. And she was eating Pringles. And I said, am I late for work? What's going on? I feel like I'm late. And she goes, no, it's 12 o'clock midnight. Midnight. Okay. Yeah, and then I was like, oh, you know, um, yeah, I, I thought I'd overslept for work. I said, oh, you come into bed, like, because I had work the next day, I didn't want to be disturbed. Mm-hmm. Like, you come in now, or and she's like, later. So the way she spoke to me, it was quite aggressive. Later, so I said, um, okay, I'm going to bed then. So I went to bed, and then at half past two in the morning, I've got work next day. So she comes in, stomping her feet, letting me know that she's angry. Oh. Mm-hmm. And I woke up and I was annoyed. I said, um, Vanessa, I did not shout at you. You had Christian reggae music playing. It could have woke Scarlett up. I didn't want you to lose your work. So I was actually being nice to you. So because I was being nice to you, please be nice to me. Anyway, she then started an argument at half two saying, you were shouting, getting aggressive. She goes, I'm going to go and sleep in Scarlett's bed. Now, Scarlett's three and a half. Okay. Vanessa's behavior, if... Scarlett hasn't had much sleep or Vanessa hasn't had much sleep. I've caught Vanessa punishing my daughter by locking her outside the house on a cold day in just a vest and shorts. The three-year-old. The three-year-old, yeah. This has happened before. Jesus. Locking the door as punishment because she wouldn't eat her cereal quickly enough. A three-year-old. A three-year-old not eating her cereal quickly enough. I was there when she did this, and I said, like, that door's opening now. You're not going to do that. Let her in. But in my head, as she's going to Scarlet's bed, I'm thinking, do not wake Scarlet up because you're you're going to be horrible to her, basically. Mm-hmm. The bed is, is a child's bed. It's not really big enough for an adult and yeah. a three-year-old. So I'm like, you're going to wake Scarlet up, Vanessa. You sleep one side of the bed, I sleep the other side of the bed. No, I'm going to sleep in Scarlet's bed. I'm like, no, because you locked her out the other day, so... Yeah. Yeah, you're not doing that. So then she walks into this room, a single bed, a small bed. I then touch Vanessa's arm to lead her out the room and say, look, look, Vanessa, don't wake her up. She then pulled her arm from me and said, you've assaulted me. You've touched me. To which I reply, I haven't assaulted you. I've done nothing wrong. I just don't want you waking Scarlett up. Yes, you touched me. Because she said, I'm going to call the police. I said, "Okay, here's my phone. You can call the police with my phone if you like. Mm-hmm. The police aren't going to listen to you because nothing's happened. Yeah, so you died. Yeah, anyway, she then calls the police. I thought, what a nerve. So um, quarter three, it's around quarter three. I started putting her, Vanessa's stuff in bin liners because I was so angry. Mm-hmm. My mum's hearing this commotion, like, what's going on? And I said to my mum, uh, she's accused me of assaulting her and, and all sorts of different things. And she goes, I haven't heard you shouting. I've heard Vanessa shout and I've, I'm wondering what's going on. I was like, well, she's accused me of that. So um, she's calling the police right now. And mum's like, oh, you know, come downstairs and have a cup of tea. Right. Sitting downstairs, having an English cup of tea, like really calm. Mm-hmm. The blue lights come outside and um, they come in. Uh, One goes upstairs to talk to Vanessa. One stays downstairs to talk to me. So they're asking questions like, you know, what happened? So I told them what happened. And they're like, oh, so you did touch your wife then? And I'm like, yeah, but no, you know. Yeah. How I've told you. Because of that, they had to arrest me on suspicion of common assault. Suspicion of common assault. Suspicion of common assault, not common assault. So I go to the police station. This is like three in the morning now. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, I haven't slept very well. Vanessa's been horrible to me all evening. I go to the police station, like, bleary-eyed, and all of a sudden the penny drops. Like, about two weeks ago, she threatened to abduct my child. She was packing up, right? Yeah, so I, I was like, okay, wow, this is this is going to happen again. This is a setup. So I was like, um, 
Okay, you've got to believe me. Uh, why you've taken me to the police station, she's going to abduct my daughter. Why you've got me under investigation, this is going to happen. I want you to look into it. Yeah, yeah, you'll get your chance to talk tomorrow at the interview. Da, da, da. So um, 15 hours later, I have this interview. I've not slept. They then asked me questions such as like, did you use like excessive force on your wife? So obviously I, I said no. Right. This is a situation. I was quite honest about it. I got asked a question. Do I feel abused by my wife? Do I feel like I'm the victim? Really? Yeah. And I said, um, yeah, I do actually. I've been psychologically abused for many years. I gave examples, which I, I can give you examples if you like. I've been screamed at because I wanted to have the curtains closed at night. Mm-hmm. She insisted on having them wide open, oh. even though the light shining in my side of the bed and all that stuff. I'm a curtain closed at night guy too. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I said, yeah, I do feel abused psychologically. And I said, I feel abused because she's trying to abduct my daughter as well. And I said, I'm telling you again, I feel abused and she's going to abduct my daughter. They said, okay, when you're on bail, do you feel safe being in the same house as your partner? Uh, Bearing in mind during bail conditions, you can have no contact. Okay. And I said, no, she's going to try and push buttons. I do not feel safe going back to my mum's house while she's there. And they said, it's okay. We'll arrange provisions for for you to go home. It's fine. They done something, I guess. And I went home and Vanessa's now not at my mum's house. She's taken Scarlet somewhere else. Okay. So I'm like, I need to phone the authorities to make sure my daughter doesn't get abducted. So I kept telling the police repeatedly, she's going to abduct Scarlet. And I thought, okay, to be extra safe, I'm going to tell social services, please be careful of my daughter being abducted. Mm Mm-hmm. So I phoned social services and I said that I believe that my wife is mentally ill because she's locked Scarlet outside in just her t-shirt. And Yeah, that's insane. I told him the truth. My mum had a concern that Scarlet was shaken once. Uh, She told social services that and that she was concerned about Vanessa's temper. And I said about the abduction and they said, it's okay, we've got your wife and child. They're completely safe. Okay. We at social services, this is what they said. We at social services would not allow that to happen. Hmm. quote unquote so i'm like okay i feel quite safe now you know i believe like the integrity of these establishments they should look after children so okay i feel feel okay yeah so i was still allowed access to my daughter during the bail conditions through a third party okay which could be my mum so i could arrange to meet scarlet whilst the investigation was happening my mum would take scarlet away give her back to vanessa at the end of the day all that stuff oh okay kept trying to arrange contact vanessa wouldn't answer the phone yeah And then my sister-in-law, who didn't know anything about the situation, is not something me and my mum broadcasted, said, as Adam and Vanessa gone on holiday, because I tried to phone Vanessa and there was an international ringtone. And my mum said, no, like, how would they leave the country during COVID? And then my mum thought, ah, she's abducted the child. Went to the police. They were like, what makes you think that she's done that? Well, there was this international ringtone. They said, oh, it could be because she's near across the water from France. Sometimes the signal gets caught up with France. Sure. I was like, okay, that could be something. Then I had a fraud alert on my bank card. I'm with you. Yeah, strange, strange transactions. I phoned up the bank. I said, where's it coming from? And they said, Spain, like Amazon Spain. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, like, could you give me an address or anything? And they said, no, we can't do that because of date protection, but we can tell you it's in Barcelona. Her brother lives in Barcelona. Okay. So I worked out where she was, told the police her brother's address. I was still under bail at this time. Right. The police said Adam needs contact with his daughter, so her brother would be on the call with me to, whilst I'm talking to Scarlett. And then the police um, obviously saw with the fraud on my credit card and other investigations, they cleared me. And now the police want to arrest Vanessa for abduction if she returns to the UK. 
which isn't going to happen because it's not her native language and she's got no reason to be in the UK. Exactly. And she knows if she comes back, she'll be arrested. So what she's done is she's gone through the Spanish courts and she's tried to say that I physically, so she's changed the story a bit. Mm-hmm. She's trying to say everything that she said here, but that I physically threw her and Scarlett out of this house. But I was in a police holding cell at the time she left. So it's impossible. She's tried going through the Spanish courts trying to claim compensation from me because I made them homeless and she had to borrow money from a friend uh, to pay for hotels in England. Mm. because I made them homeless. But uh, in England, like, you're not going to have a mother and a baby on the street, the social services right. provisions. And in my police interview, they said they're going to deal with all that. Everything's okay. So she's put a full story in Spain to try and get compensation from me. I didn't turn up to the court because I couldn't because of COVID. So I couldn't travel. Uh, her lawyers have been sending me threatening letters. And then I've sent the court evidence of child abduction saying leave me alone and they're basically saying you can't submit that a lawyer has to submit that it's all like um official documents right but they won't accept it can you get a lawyer to submit them yeah i'm in the process of doing that now i went really uh on a downward spiral with my mental health i was gonna ask how this affected you but go ahead brother tell us what happened yeah i've, I've thought about like suicide same standing on like the edge of rocks in the sea and stuff like that yep thinking that a wave would just hit me and i'd crack my head open or something teetering on subways for me right on the edge of the platform like takes a lean and it's all over you don't have to deal with this shit anymore excuse me yeah so for the last i would say from a a two-year period i've just had letters from her lawyers threatening me saying i'm breaking this law i'm breaking that law because i couldn't afford a lawyer Mm -hmm. to start with so i was like well i can't get a lawyer to submit them because i'm i'm skint they're like um you know when you get state help like legal aid legal aid that's it oh legal aid legal aid yes so they said, um, okay, get legal aid from Britain. And then the lawyers in Britain and the authorities saying, we can't give you legal aid because it's a different jurisdiction. Uh, try and apply in Spain for legal aid. Yeah. And go there yourself. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, it's like a big fuck you. Yeah. Like, they're trying to screw me. And um, I'm going for legal aid. Mm-hmm. And they're like, we're not giving you legal aid. You asked Britain for legal aid. I'm the victim and my daughter's a victim. And um, it's like we're being screwed with nowhere to go. Yeah. And there's nowhere for a guy to go to. No, during this period when I was getting these letters from her lawyers, sometimes I'm allowed to talk to my daughter on Skype, sometimes I'm not allowed. You know, Vanessa just doesn't turn up with a child. Yeah. Or she'll tell me 15 minutes past when I'm supposed to be talking to her. No, you can't talk to her today. Mm -hmm. She once like really aggressively said to me, you're in more trouble than you realise. I've got custody of your daughter. That kind of stopped me going to Spain or trying to do much. Because of like a fear that she put on me. Sure. Recently, for some reason, I got the strength. I was to go to Antiqueda, not Barcelona, but Antiqueda, where we used to live, to try and find information. I wasn't arrested. I wasn't in trouble. I went into a police station to tell them my story. Mm-hmm. They told me the channels to go through. And I believed this lie this whole time, this false reality, which is gaslighting, making someone believe a false reality. Oh, yeah. I know that I can go to Spain legally. I thought I was going to get arrested. I was thinking this whole episode, you were getting arrested if you went to Spain. Yeah. Yeah. So now my next step, yeah, I'm hunting her down in Barcelona. Okay. Through the legal channels. I won't lie. Sometimes I've had really dark thoughts. You're not alone. Yeah. And um, (laughs) And as a a Christian, that doesn't sit well with you either. No. Yeah. No, definitely not. So uh, yeah, this is where I'm at. 
I'll tell the type of psychological abuse she still plays on me, which has been witnessed by my workplace. Vanessa says, I'm allowed to talk to Scarlett at 7pm on a Saturday, English time, at 8pm Spanish time. There can be no other time. There can be no other debate. She's the only one that can change the date and time, not me. Right. I've got an agreement at work. My work is so kind to me that, okay, I can say goodnight to my daughter from seven. They're very flexible. They let me talk to my daughter for an hour if I need to. That is awesome really supportive one day i was at work working a long day and she says you need to talk to scarlet at six today not seven and i'm like well i'm at work so i'm gonna have to like run that by my boss mm-hmm. and she's like well you know that's the time you take it or leave it okay i'll talk to scarlet the the next day maybe on the sunday no this is the time what a bitch sorry <laughs> i went to my boss and i said um just so you know that i'm not being awkward uh, here are the messages mm-hmm. like it's not me so my boss is like, yeah, you know, we know it's a very difficult time for you, Adam. That's fine. You talk to your daughter at six. So I'm like, okay, that's sorted. Message Vanessa saying, okay, I'll, I'll talk to Scarlett at six. Then I went into my private room, kept calling. The phone line kept getting cut. Mm-hmm. Vanessa said, Scarlett can't talk to you now because she's at a show. At a show. So she rearranged the time and actually went to a show at the time that she said I could talk to my daughter. Right. I said, look, this is unfair. You arrange a time. You, you're in charge or you think you are or you act like you are. All she sent me was loads of love hearts and like like a crying emoji, like mocking me. Yeah, I'm with you. And I thought to myself, I'm not going to respond. She wants me to get upset. Yeah, yeah. So she sent me all these mocking things and I ignored it. So after work, it was about quarter to 10 at night. I thought I need to go for a walk to clear my head because this is really pissing me off. Yeah. I arranged to meet my friend. So it was in the dark and all of a sudden my ex is calling me for me to talk to Scarlett. At quarter to 11 Spanish time. Which is 10 euros. Yeah. She's like, oh, you can talk to your daughter. And it's like, oh, but she's asleep, but this is your time. You can talk to her. So she's got the call record that you were there. Oh, well, we had the call. It was late because I messed up, but I got him the call anyway. No, you didn't. She was sleeping. Here's the thing. Scarlett woke up and then, you know, like the um, political tensions between Britain and Argentina. Mm -hmm. So Vanessa's Argentina, Scarlett's half Argentinian. (laughs) My friend is with me witnessing this and Scarlett started singing Argentina, Argentina. And it's like, Scarlett, can we like have a conversation? You know, we're going to have a conversation. Argentina. And then she started singing lots of patriotic Argentinian songs, mm-hmm. like not even engaging with me. And I said, Vanessa, a six-year-old doesn't just say, like, sing these things. I said, this is this is out of order. This is not right. This is wrong. With that, I thought, okay, I'm going to say the wrong thing. So I'm going to have to cut the call. And my friend is witnessing this thinking, what, what the heck? Yeah. Yeah, I said, okay, Scarlett, I'm going to talk to you in the morning. Vanessa says, you can only talk to her at quarter past seven in the morning. So I was like, all right, I'm there at quarter past seven in the morning. I put the phone down. My friend was like, what's that all about? Like, you're singing Argentinian songs to you. I was like, to get a reaction. She sent me all the sad emojis, and then she phones me at a random time. So the next day, I was a little bit late because I couldn't sleep. Mm-hmm. Got on the call to Scarlett. Vanessa was like, you're late. Da-da-da. Like, give me a grilling. And then Scarlett just started singing Argentina. Argentina. Like, Right. Really aggressively. And I said, Scarlet, that's that's wrong. Mm-hmm. That's political hate. You don't you don't do stuff like that. Then Vanessa goes, What do you mean it's wrong? She's only six years old. I was like, Yeah, it's wrong because you blatantly told her it. With that, Vanessa says, Okay, you can't respect me. You don't talk to your daughter. Put the call down and then blocked me on WhatsApp for three weeks. Jesus. So I'm not knowing when I'm gonna talk to my daughter. And then all of a sudden, one day she unblocks me and then Scarlett's talking to me. And then Vanessa starts telling me how much school costs and how much money she wants. And Right. That's why you're unblocked. Now you're a meal ticket. Yeah, basically. And this has been now two years? 
three years in total nearly since I spoke to Scarlett. Three years in total. But it's been two years since I've been getting abuse from her lawyer. So you haven't even talked to your daughter in three years now? Not even the Zoom calls anymore? or Oh, oh no, no. I, I speak to her once a week. Oh, okay. So it, it can be like a three-week three, three week period she'll block me. Right. And then she'll be unhappy with something else, and it's a three-week period or a two-week period or a four-week period. It's however she wants. It's not uncommon. Yeah. You only get what you want when they need something, and then when you want something, you don't get it, but they need something, they'll give you a little something in return. Yeah, exactly. So this is where I'm at really with it all. So you said you're starting the legal process where you can start proving that your child was abducted to the Spanish government. Yeah. You going through Claire from Falsely Accused Network? I've gone through like a recommendation before I joined Falsely Accused Network, like uh, Reunite International. Okay. Reunited International? I haven't heard of them. Reunite International, yeah. It's like a an international abduction charity. Oh, wow. And they work with like Spain and, and different countries but they don't have access to, like, government uh, authorities. They kind of, like, mediate. Okay. Yeah, they're shocked by my story. They don't really know what to say. This is going to shock you, too, because I was supposed to interview him on this Tuesday, but our equipment got messed up, so it's pushed off to next Tuesday. Otherwise, I could have talked to you about this. There's a gentleman in Florida mm. whose wife abducted his child to the UK, and the UK is doing the same thing to him that Spain's doing to you. It's insane. Really? Wow. I, I'll give you a call back after I speak to him and I get more into it. Well, I haven't gone through the abduction. I, I get it. Yeah. Similar. The cops told me this too. It's not abduction when the mom takes them, but if the dad takes them, they'll call out the wolves. Yeah, definitely. So like in England, they say it's like abduction after 28 days. Mm -hmm. 28 days. 28 days. It's almost like an unwritten law. They can decide that it's not against the law, even though it states that it's against the law. Yes. Crazy. They're going under Spanish law and she changed her story. Mine's changed her story annually for 20 years. So she was saying that I physically threw her and Scarlett out. Right. Um, I later found out from the police, one of the reasons they were able to clear me is because she made a statement to the police that I picked her up and threw her against the wall. Okay. Now I'm a big guy. The police come and like looked at her back and stuff. Yeah. And there was no bruising or anything. She wasn't even a good liar there, really. And yeah, she caught herself out, didn't like it. And then she got a letter of consent from social services, which was illegal to leave the country. I was going to say, how the hell did they let her get away? Like, here's a process I went through. So the police cleared me and everything. Then my, obviously my bail conditions end so I can talk to Scarlett and unfortunately Vanessa's, she's over Scarlett listening to everything that I'm saying. Of course. So she doesn't even give me that space. And I, I said to her, I said, how did you leave the country? How did you get out of the country? And she said, I had a written letter of consent from the police, a written letter of consent and verbal consent from the police and social services. So I'm phoning the police. I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm cleared. I've done nothing wrong. Yeah, that's fine. Well, she's saying you've given her written and verbal consent to leave the country. And they said that is not true. That is not true because that would go against like our laws to do that. Yeah. So I was like, okay. So I went through the complaints procedure and then I went to social services. And I was like, okay, you gave her a written letter of consent to leave the country and verbal. No, we wouldn't do that at social services. I was like, okay, the police have said that this is illegal. Like, yeah, exactly. So we haven't done that. Her lawyer sent me proof from social services in England. They said this woman is a victim of domestic violence. We need to give her a written letter of consent to leave the country. So I went through the official complaints procedure. They said, no, we haven't done that. We haven't done that. But they had. They had. And now you have a copy of that letter. I have a copy of that letter, yeah. Yeah. And it's on their letterhead? Yeah. Social services. 
And so I've gone to the police and I said, right, okay, you know, you said that this is illegal. And they're like, yeah. And I said, well, I've got a letter that says that this happened. And they're like, so I said, I want you to make some arrests, please. Mm-hmm. And they said, oh, we can't arrest anyone because it's a different entity. It's a different, uh, like, authority. Yep. And I'm like, you've just told me it's illegal. Yeah. Well, it's illegal if you do it. <laughs> yeah. Now it's proven that the letter's not a forgery? No, I mean, it's got the letterhead. It's got the official stamps. It's got... Really? What a bunch. Apparently, it was a student social worker that sent that request. So it wasn't even someone who's qualified in that position. Yeah, so she tricked somebody who was just trying to be a good Samaritan. I think so, yeah. She's a very good actor. Very, very good. Mm-hmm. And, and very clever. I'll give her that. She should work in law or like a legal secretary. She's so clever, but she just wants to scam and, and not work. Yeah, she can make a living doing that. Yeah. Actually, friendly advice. Does your daughter still do the Argentinian thing? No, she only did it twice. Okay. I was going to say, get the flag, get a jersey, and next time she does it, cheer with her. Yeah. No skin off your back, right? No, it's true, yeah. And then you end up bonding with her. It's not a jab at you anymore. It's going to piss your ex off exponentially. Yeah. And your kid will find it funny because you're bonding. Is the court giving you access to your daughter, the Spanish court? No. No, I need to go through it to to get it. And So she, basically, it's the same thing. If she needs something, she'll pick up the phone. If not, then weeks will go by. Oh, man. Yeah. Now, how are you dealing with the depression and the anxiety? You were going for walks to lose weight. Are you still doing stuff to take care of yourself? Because that is important. Well, the only coping strategy I know really how what to do is is I just work all the time and just bury myself in work. It's fair. And I think to myself, if I can build my daughter uh, an empire, when she finds me one day, at least I can say like, okay, although your mum didn't work and things like that, your dad has tried to build the best he can for you, even at a distance. That's awesome. So I'm just trying to think, what can I do to be the best dad I can be without the situation being ideal, far from ideal? Yeah, yeah. I just work hard and I study as well. So I I try and just do everything that's in my hand to do. And then it's up to God from there. Well, there are no atheists in foxholes. If you didn't believe in God when this happens to you, you definitely do at the end because you've got nobody else to turn to at some points. Yeah, so true. It does help. One of the things we said in our very first episode when we started the Why Daddy Never Cries podcast is, unfortunately, false allegations, doesn't matter your race, your religion, or your political beliefs. It's affecting guys across the spectrum. And I can't believe how many guys across the world this is affecting. Yeah, too many, too many. I heard of one case. I go to a dad's support group called Dads Unlimited. Mm. There was a testimony of one guy. He got false allegations from from his wife. He couldn't go near the kids. Social services put a block on him. Mm -hmm. And one day his wife phoned up crying and seeming to repent and saying, I need you to come around uh, so we can sort this out. Now, he's been told by the police he's not allowed to go near her, but sure, she's crying and acting repentant. So he falls for it, and then he, he goes round there. And as he goes round there, she's got the police on loudspeaker, and she's banging her own head against the radio and recording it. And he's kind of, like, shocked, like, frozen. And the police come and just pick him up. Jesus. And he looks like the the bully. It's stories like that all the time. It's crazy. And I think it, it needs to stop somehow. We need to, I don't know. But yeah, it definitely needs to stop. When I was working at Kennedy Airport, you know, I knew nothing about false allegations, except I kind of started suspecting maybe my ex's father wasn't abusive because he was apparently a bastard and her mother apparently coached women how to testify in court who were victims. During our marriage, I thought her mom was a saint for that. <laughs> Now, there's no way any of us feel that women and children shouldn't be protected because there are definitely animals out there. Mm. But you're right. What do we do? How do we change false allegations? Initially, protect the child and the woman. That's okay. I get that. Someone's got to leave the house. 
we'll figure this out. But eight months, two years, some of these guys haven't seen their kids in six mm-hmm. years and they're still kicking the can down the road on the court dates. Within two weeks, I was allowed to see my daughters again. Yeah, I had to pick them up at a police station. Saturday nights, I think I got them for a while only. And just the older one. I couldn't get the younger one because you know it was too dangerous for her to be around me. Mm. In your experience, what do you think they could have done better other than not letting her leave the country? Where do you think we could start? I think there needs to be like non-bias. Mm. Non-bias towards a man, non-bias towards a woman. Yeah, someone's got to leave the house. If it's the man that leaves the house for, for a time for interviews, then you've got to have an open mind. If if the man's saying, my daughter's going to be abducted, or the man's saying, look, you've got to believe me, this is happening. Mm-hmm. You've at least got to consider like both sides of a story. And the police and social services, I don't consider both sides. No, they do not. I'm hearing your story, my story, yeah. Reese's story, many stories where only one side gets listened to. We had, Did you guys do marriage counselling? Yeah. <laughs> my marriage counseling, if for anyone who doesn't know, you go as a couple, then you go two individual sessions and you come back as a couple. Short story, endless. We go as a couple and it's all about what an ass I am. Yeah. Which was the marriage. Then she went and then I went. And when I went, he kept using words like, do you hover over her? And I was like, I don't know what you mean. He's like, well, do you stop her from going places? I'm like, I work 16 hours a day. How am I going to stop her from doing anything? And then he kept saying, well, you know, if you're hovering over her and you're making her feel threatened to talk to you about anything, I was like, wait a second, something's about to go down. And that's exactly what happened. Then the next thing I knew it was skipping the country. Yeah. We know as, as Christians or people of faith that, okay, if, if you go to like a church, you're supposed to have like accountability. And the Bible says, if, if you believe that, if someone's done you wrong, you go to the person. Mm-hmm. If they ignore you, you go to the elders or the leadership. If nothing happens, you expose that person before the church. That's what the Bible says. So I've gone to Vanessa and saying, like, you've abducted the child. She even denies that she's abducted the child. Yeah. Even when I send her proof, I was like, you have abducted the child. I've even gone to her pastor in Spain and I, I'm, I'm saying, okay, this is a police document. This is what she's done. Here's all the evidence. Yeah, like nothing for three years. Three years. And I'm sending him all this evidence, proof of what she's done, not hearsay proof. After like two, three years of hearing nothing, mm-hmm. I thought, okay, I'm going to have to be a, a little bit harder and quote scripture. So I started like quoting scripture about, okay, this is what the Bible says. He then said, you're a violent man. You're this, you're that. Even though I've sent evidence that says I'm not a violent man. And he blocked me straight away. Okay. Now this passes Argentinian. So it's like they're just believing the the women's side. And I see that in churches a lot where it's almost like men who are supposed to be men are almost like made to be like feminine and pastors are becoming weaker. And I was talking with a coworker today. Yeah. We were talking about social media and the effects on teenage girls. Yeah. And she was talking about how mean the girls are to other girls during social media, a lot more than guys are. And I was like, are you guys seeing a pattern? You're mean at this age. You're mean at this age, and then you're really mean at this age. That's so true. I never thought of that, but that's true. Mm. Why do you think that is? Why do you think from an early age, these women are mean? So I have a theory, and it's based on nothing. So please, scientists, don't come at me. Actually, if you want to email me at whydaddynevercries at gmail, go ahead. But my theory is stronger men have been killed because they were willing to go to war for centuries, therefore weakening the strength gene pool. Women were the weaker sex. It was a male-dominated world, and it was a world, you know, we're not a non-violent species, so they had to be crafty and had to think a lot more and be a little more, well, even crafty, take that out, had to be more political. 
right? They had to get by somehow and it wasn't, hey, you're going to do what the hell I say or, you know, or I'm going to freak out or whatever they used to do back in the old days or some guys today still. And I think those two things over centuries have just destroyed our species. Yeah, that's a a good point. Because if a woman was outspoken in the old days, they would have killed her. And if a guy was wimpy, he wouldn't have gone to war. So he would have stayed home and got to make more wimpy kids. Yeah, it's an interesting theory. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Wow. Chuck, um, being someone who interviews people for podcasts and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. what do you think we can do to bring change? I think we got to get more people who are not affected by parent alienation or false allegations to understand that it exists. One of the problems with both of those, all domestic violence in general towards men is it's not believed. It's believed domestic violence towards men is usually caused by a male-on-male relationship. We know that's not true anymore. So I think awareness is the first step. The tricky part is we have to unite the tribes. And it's a bunch of us. We're just getting through our own stuff. And the guys are put their head down. You know, like you said, you're in stress mode. So what do you do? You put your head down and go to work. It's what we do. Mm. We solve our problems. We don't bond. We don't have the community where women would have that community while the men were out hunting and gathering or whatever. We're very much lone wolves. Yeah. And we don't think anybody can help us but us. So until we break that mold and we start getting more people to understand this is happening, that's why I started the podcast is to get the story out there and to let guys like yourself, myself know, hey man, you're not alone. I heard your story. I was like, oh, I can relate to this guy because I used to call my kids the Ilian Gonzalez of the North. Yeah. The kid from Cuba who came to the US. I think his mother passed as they were coming over. Mm. She drowned. Oh. He got here. The aunts and uncles wanted him back in Cuba. You know, US and Cuba had zero relationship. And there was a big standoff and the US government actually came and took the kid. Oh no, the father was back in Cuba. I'm sorry. And the aunts and uncles wanted him here because the father would have had the rights over the aunts and uncles. Yeah. And the kid ended up going back to Cuba. He's lived there, you know, his whole life. He's a national hero for escape in America. Yeah. But that was uh, what I thought was going to happen with my kids. I was like, either I'm going to have to call some buddies and we're going up to get them, Mm. which, you know, God only knows what's going to happen when you take shit like that. Excuse me, when you take stuff like that into your own hands. Yeah. You know, that's definitely not the way to do guys. Do not take matters into your own hands. You will just look like the monster that they accuse you of. Yeah, that's the problem, isn't it? They want you to get angry. They want you to flip. They want you to look like a monster. And now that my daughters are older, we've talked and they're like, oh, well, you did this, this and this. And I can remember the three times I did this, that and that. And I'm like... In the 15 years that I was going through hell, there were three times that I messed up nothing egregious, you know, cursed or yelled or what was the other one? Slamming something once, you know, you proved that you were violent. I'm like, you saw me lose it three times yeah. in 15 years with the amount of stress. And that's what actually had me think for you to get the Argentinian jersey or a flag or something like that. And if it ever comes up again, just have it in your lap and be like, yeah, me too, man. Maybe even say it in Spanish. Yeah. Viva Argentina, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. You're still getting your weekly calls, though? You do get to see her? Um, I am at the moment, yeah. Whatever you can do, man. Whatever you can do to just keep that relationship visible. Yeah. I think we have a long road. Uh, I know our kids are not going to be unscarred from this, but hopefully our grandkids will. Mm. Which is sad to say, because you're just starting. I'm finished, so I'm already looking to the grandkids. Mm. Not anytime soon, kids. Not anytime soon. Yeah. Go out and be young women and enjoy your life. Just that curiosity, like your your ex-wife put you through hell. Mm-hmm. Have your daughters seen the truth come out? Have they recognized it? We're kind of at the point, and they do ask me not to speak a lot about it, but I have told them that there's certain things that we have to talk about in order to get the message out. Mm. I think they'd rather just go away. Can we just be normal? Yeah. The youngest of the oldest, she told me that she wished people cared more about the kids. She just turned 18. And I said, I'm going to tell people this. 
She goes, yeah, because everyone was always there consoling the parents. Now, nobody was consoling me. So I kind of think I know what she means because her mom's surrounded by people who think her mom's a victim. Yeah. And when you think someone's a victim, you're going to do everything in your power to help them, mm-hmm. which oddly enough amounts to free stuff a lot of times. Yeah. So I don't know if they get it, if they think I've just gotten better with 15 years of self-help, which you know I tell them at the end of the day, if I would have hit anybody, they'd be dead. I, I trained martial arts for years. I'm no beast, but at the same time, if I hit you, I would probably kill you. I'm not hitting anybody out of anger. You know, you're a big guy too. If you picked your wife and threw her up against the wall, you probably would have left a bruise, maybe a scratch. Yeah. <laughs> or if nothing else, a hole in the wall. Yeah. The more I tried to stay in my kids' lives, the harder it got. And as you see with the phone calls, right? I don't know, man. This podcast is about four or five months old now. And just the amount of stories coming through, it's ridiculous. Yeah. I thought this was going to be an American podcast. And then I bumped into Mike from Falsely Accused Network. We started talking. He jumped on the show and, you know, one after the other, guy after guy after guy after guy after guy. And I'm like, we literally have listeners in every English speaking country in the world. And a couple that aren't English speaking because you get the analytics, you see all the different countries and who downloads what. Yeah. It's everywhere and it doesn't go away. It never goes away if they don't want it to. No. And as a couple of guys say, it's because it's a silver bullet. It really is a home run. And I don't know about other countries, but it's been proven here that lawyers are teaching females, do you feel threatened? Because if you feel threatened, you got the kids. Yeah. If you feel threatened, you don't have to worry about 50-50 custody. And if you don't worry about 50-50 custody, that means you get full child support. Do you feel threatened? Mm -hmm. I think we need to hold them accountable. I don't know if you listened to uh, Bill Corbett's interviews, the last two that were out, I think it was the last two weeks. So what Bill is doing is he's saying the court officers, the lawyers, and the judges are mandated by law to report fraud in the courtroom. Mm. And they're not doing that. You just had the judge over in the UK step down. He was feeling sorry for the fathers that he's putting through the ringer. Yeah, I saw that, yeah. Bristol, right? So judges are starting to be like, wow, I could go to jail for this? I mean, Mm. put a judge in jail is going to be, you know, come hell or high water, but you start shaming them. Yeah. So that's interesting what you said, Chuck. So if there's a similar rule in Spain where judges have to report like fraudulent behavior... Mm-hmm. These kinds of things. So if I've got the evidence here that Vanessa's lied, they have to take that really seriously, the judge there. They would. Yeah. Now they could say that they're protecting her for domestic violence. Of course, you have to chip away at that to show that she is lying. But in theory, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Now if a judge ignores it and another court officer sees it, and this is where you start taking out the lower ranking court officers first. Well, that bailiff, who's unfortunately just a cop trying to do a job, stood there and saw that father get railroaded in court and didn't report it because they were using unscrupulous practices or saw the judge and the attorney talking beforehand, which sometimes they do, he's supposed to report that. Well, you didn't report that. Guess what? Judges might not go to jail, but cops go to jail. There's so many different rules and laws. It's impossible to centralize this whole thing. It is, yeah. But we're doing it. And I think the more confusing it is, the more the elite make money. Mm -hmm. Because it's so confusing, we can't work it out in different countries. Oh, yeah. So we, we always have to pay. It's a business and it's a billion dollar business. You follow the money. Adam, thank you very much for coming on the Why Daddy Never Cries podcast. Brother, if you need anything, obviously I'll talk to you through the Falsely Accused Network or you can reach out to me directly. Brilliant. I'm going to put some feelers out. I don't know anybody in Spain, but I tell you, this network is getting bigger and smaller at the same time. So we'll find somebody. God bless you. Bye. God bless, brother. Today we heard Adam's story and how he tried to keep his family together and how his ex, well, she had other plans. It's unfortunate, but sometimes there's nothing you can ever do to satisfy your partner. And the evil ones, they'll keep making you jump through hoops for eternity. Here's a lesson learned. If you see this pattern, it's a big red flag. So start planning your exit strategy. 
do it quietly, but start planning on getting the hell out of there. It's only a matter of time before all your hard work and pacifying their every whim will be seen as your ultimate failure. Oh, and don't hold your breath, because it'll never be their issue. You will always be the one who failed them. All right, so we go for help. Can we trust the system out there to protect our families? Unfortunately, the long short of it is we really can't, at least not the current version of the family court system in most westernized countries, if not all. Obvious disclaimer for those not paying attention. This is not every courtroom, and it's not every judge, but there is bias in the family court and everything that surrounds it, and that bias is widespread. Adam trusted in the UK system to keep his child in the country and to keep his child safe. They told him, don't worry about it. Wait until the logistics are all ironed out. They reassured him over and over again that his ex could not kidnap their child, and the system was wrong. Now, you can't break a court order. There was no way Adam could have checked to see where his child was, not without appearing like a stalker, and that's going to cause him to appear like the monster that he was accused. We don't do that. We don't break the law. We don't take matters into our own hands. We bear the brunt of the burden, so our children don't have to go through hell. It might take a while. Unfortunately, now here we are three years later, and if it wasn't for a credit card fraud alert, the UK could still be telling Adam that his child is safe. The system is flawed. His ex-wife locked a three-year-old outside without a jacket in the cold because she was angry at that child. <sighs> Breathe, Adam. We'll figure this out, brother. We'll figure it out, man. Another thing. If your partner is causing your children to say things that they know is going to bother you, why give them the victory? Don't show them it does. In fact, join in the fun. Your kids only know one thing, that they're making a parent happy. Their actions aren't about you, and it's not about them. It's about making a parent happy. And, unfortunately, it's usually in the child's best interest, especially with an abusive parent, to please the beast. I mean, come on. You just tried to please this person and failed. You tried to please them over and over again and continued failing. How the hell do you expect your kids to succeed in making them happy? Nobody can make your ex happy. So don't hold your children's actions against them. Because at the end of the day, they're just trying to survive too. And they live with the beast. You're the lucky one. You flew over the cuckoo's nest. They go home and they have to sit there and explain whatever the hell it is this person's making a child explain to them about you. All right, where do we go from here? Well, we're, we need numbers. And we need to get those not involved with parental alienation or false allegations to join the fight. What's important to remember is that having loving parents is proven to make a difference in a child's life. And a well-balanced child brings us all one step closer to a well-balanced society. This isn't the beginning of the falsely accused plague, but it's going to be the end of it. We must get our voices out there. Send us your stories to Why Daddy Never Cries at Gmail or Why Daddy Never Cries on Facebook. Remember, this is a daily and sometimes hourly struggle. So follow us on Daddy Never Cries at Twitter and Why Daddy Never Cries on Instagram. And let your voice be heard. Let's end the fatherless children's syndrome that's plaguing this world. The Why Daddy Never Cries podcast team consists of Joe, the voice of reason, Nicole Kelleher, and Scott Hall. Thanks, everybody. You can't change what happened to you, brothers. So figure out how to make it work for you and your children. When life gave me lemons, I said the hell with a glass. I'm making an international lemonade franchise. So until next time, take a deep breath. You've got this, Daddy. Don't, don't.